Welcome to another inspirational teaching from Faith Family Church. For more information about our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv. I am so blessed. I'm about to change things up a little. I'm going to do one more announcement that Nicole didn't announce. So not that she forgot, but I'm just going to emphasize the important thing is what we're about. And we're about giving hope to people through Jesus Christ. And I encourage you guys that the, how many guys noticed the coffee card out there? Okay. That, all that literally goes to missions. You might say, well, the coffee used to be for free. Guess what? We still have the coffee that was free. You could take that coffee. It's free. We're not going to look at you differently. That is your coffee. This coffee cart is for those of you that want more than just coffee. Those of you that want more and know that you sowing into the kingdom are getting immediate gratification immediate and this is what we're about the cause of jesus christ because some of y'all are bougie coffee drinkers some of y'all look at that coffee and you're like this old thing you're like i don't do that so my wife through prayer and fasting has convinced all the leaders in the church this is from god that we have a coffee cart it is from god for god to the people to get drawn to god so what do we say to that? If you don't want to spend any money for coffee, don't. Get the regular coffee. It's free. It's for you. It's got your name on it. But if you want something more, and you want to get more involved in the cause of Jesus Christ, I'm even tempted to drink coffee. <laughs> tempted. I'm not sold, but I'm tempted. That being said, we're going to start the message today, all right? And all the time. All right, so we've been doing a series on John. I'm super excited. Um, and I'm just going to jump right into it. But before, um, Pastor Mike is not here. He's with my grandfather. Um, and he's just with him today. And then we're going to be sharing what's going on with that at a later time. But uh, it's good to be there for your family. Amen? Amen? Okay, so pray for my dad, my mom, and my grandfather. And know this, that the word is true and God is faithful. Amen? Amen. Uh, but we've been doing a series. This is a third part of our series in John. And the first part of the series, we talked about how in the beginning, Jesus, the word of God, became flesh. And literally that Jesus himself is the word of God. He's the power of God. In Hebrews 1, it further explains that Jesus, by all things... Jesus created, or all things that God wanted in creation were from Jesus through Jesus. That creation that God the Father is the creator, but the agent of creation is Jesus Christ. 
And we were able to talk about that. And last week we talked about how the Jesus in him was life. And that life was the light of men. And we talked about how Jesus comes as light to show us who are naturally dark the way. To show us the error of our ways and the path of righteousness and truth. Which he himself is. He is the door to God. And I encourage you that um, if you haven't been able to be here for any of those to, to get, get the message on YouTube. And I'm just going to jump right in. And I'm skipping a couple chapters because, uh, as we said before, that the book of John is an evangelistic book. It's how to get people saved. And how to truly be saved is you must believe that Jesus Christ is God. Jesus was not just a man, and he was not just God. He was truly God who put on flesh and became a man. So he's truly God and truly man. Now in order for us to be saved, we have to believe that the God-man, Jesus, paid for our sin and died for our sin. The only reason that God can accept the payment of Jesus Christ's sin is because God himself died for us. That's why you might think, well, it's, I'm too far gone. How many ever thought or heard somebody say, I'm too far gone, I'm, I'm too bad. Your effort for being bad doesn't compare with the righteous blood of Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, when they had lambs, sacrificial lambs, the priests would never go to the person and say, oh, why are you even here? They expected that people would come because people need a Savior. And the priests would only focus on the lamb. Because the lamb, if the lamb was spotless, didn't have any blemishes, then that lamb could cover the family's sin. And the lamb that we have, Jesus Christ, the lamb of God, literally covers the world of their sin. The only thing we need to do is accept what God has done. That's why in the Gospels, and, and it talks about when the angels came and declared to the shepherds, you will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That God literally came to be with his creation. And so I'm going to go to John 3, and there's something very interesting. I'm just going to start reading it. I want you to follow along. We're going to read a bunch of scriptures, but then we're going to slow down. We're going to digest what's being said. It says, Now there was a certain man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? I think that's a fair question. You know, when you go to Jesus, you're like, and Jesus says, hey, unless you're born again, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Hmm, wait a second. My dad talked about the birds and the bees, but he didn't talk about reversing. So he's perplexed. Well, how can that happen? I think all of us could ask Jesus, what are you talking about, Jesus? And then Jesus said this, and he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. 
That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. I love how Jesus, you know, when the disciples are in the boat and a storm's coming, they're like, you care, we're going to die. He goes, peace be still. Why do you have such little faith? He just tells the guy, the only way to go to heaven is you've got to be born again. And the guy's like, how does this happen? And then he's like, don't marvel that I said you've got to be born again. I mean, Jesus, like, Jesus is just on a different wavelength than people sometimes. Because he came as the light to declare to us how to truly be saved. Okay? I'm going to keep going. Uh, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Now he's kind of frustrated. I'd be frustrated. Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel, yet you do not understand these things? And the purpose that Jesus said this, or the reason he said this, is that nobody in here, and we all have this in common, birth happens to you, it does not happen by you. How many of you guys were there when your mom was giving birth and you really did your part? And what Jesus is emphasizing to Nicodemus is that you have nothing to do with being born again. Just as you had nothing to do with being born physically, you have nothing to do with being born again spiritually. And the reason he said that is because none of us can boast that we really helped our mom out. I was there for all three of my kids being born. I didn't do nothing. Actually, you know what happened? They were born, and guess what they did? They start crying immediately. There is nothing... Nothing that any of us can do to be born again. That's what Jesus is saying. See, if we read over the scriptures, how many of us have, and I've done this before, we just glance over scriptures and we read it and we're like, oh, that's weird that he said that, but oh, it's some deep meaning. And no, the deep meaning is showing us is just that you had nothing to do with getting saved or born as a person. You have nothing to do with being saved or born again. It's not your effort. It's not by your might. It's not that you did so many things. It is the worst thing for a super religious person to hear. It is the worst thing for somebody to hear who comes to Jesus hopeless and receive more hopelessness. That you can't do it, buddy. Think about this. I want you guys to know something. Nicodemus is a Greek name that was translated into Aramaic. It literally means victor over the people. And literally, how many of you guys ever heard of Nike? That's this guy's name. And Nike, you get it from Nico or Nike, you get Nicodemus, the triumph over the people or victory over the people. His parents were, this is our boy. We're going to give him a strong name. And literally, he lived up to it. Uh, the three things that I want to focus about today in this passage that we just read is one, the worry of a sinner. The second thing we're going to focus on is the way of salvation. And the third thing we're going to focus on is the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, the book of John, and I'm just reiterating things, the book of John is a first, at first a defense of Jesus being God. 
the Jesus divine nature and is also evangelistic. What we learn in the book of John is that salvation is not for those, now hear me, salvation is not for those who are religious, who believe in improved morals. It is not for self-improvement. Salvation is not for any of those people. Salvation is only for those who abandon all. If you come to Jesus thinking that you've, you're something more than other people, salvation is not for you. Salvation only comes from Jesus Christ and Him alone. Christianity was never supposed to be a religion on morals. But the enemy has come in, bad teaching has come in, and it has become a religion of do's and don'ts. If it was a religion of do's and don'ts, then Jesus wouldn't have to come and die the death that he died. It is not a religion of do's and don'ts. It's a religion, not a religion. It is the truth of God who created all things, put on humanity, took on humanity, and came to be personal with his creation. Just as we see in Genesis, God made Adam and walked in the cool of the day with him. He did not make Adam, and Adam's like, where's God? God came and dwelt with him. When people saw Jesus on the scene, it was God himself being there. When you read the scriptures, when you read the gospel of John, you are reading a divine book about the divine creator. You are not reading the book about uh, a merely a man. You are reading about the heavenly heritage that Jesus comes from, the divine heritage, the eternal one, the self-existent one, the pre-existent one, the self, the coexistent with God. He was God. You are not reading about a man who became a God. You're reading about a God who became a man. Amen. Do you see the difference? The kingdom of heaven is open to only those who completely abandon all effort. When you realize that there's nothing you can do to be saved, that's when God's working on you the hardest. When you realize that there's nothing you can do, that you abandon everything and you receive the new birth from God. They have nothing to do with it. It is only for those who stop trying and just receive. You have to delete your life to start a new life. Jesus didn't come to coexist with your life. He came to give you new life so that you could produce the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. We are grafted into his life. The life of God, Jesus Christ, is freely giving us life. But he's not giving people an additive to their life. He's giving them a new life. You guys get this? Yes. I want you guys to know something. That the first Passover in Jerusalem is when this time frame happens. Where Nicodemus comes to Jesus. And what's going on, you, I want you to hear Jesus' tone with Pharisees. And we know that Nicodemus was a Pharisee. It said he was a Pharisee. We know that Jesus uh, told him, you're the teacher of the Jews. Now, are the teacher of Israel. And I want you to see that Jesus had the biggest problem with self-righteous people. The Pharisees, the spiritual people. 
You might notice this now, but there is more conversation in the world today about being spiritual. Or you talk to people like, oh, I don't go to church, but I'm very spiritual. This is somebody, Nicodemus was somebody who was the most spiritual man in all the land. And listen to what Jesus said about the Pharisees. Turn to John chapter 2, verse 23. It says, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. Now listen to what Jesus says here. All right, keep going. But Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them because he knew all the people and needed no one to bear witness about man for he himself knew that what was in man. What that saying is, is that Jesus, as God, didn't need to hear anybody's testimony about how good somebody was or how bad they were. He knew their heart. Again, John is a divine book. It's showing the divine nature. It's defending the divine nature of Jesus Christ. So literally what Jesus did, he literally talked so much trash, I'll say truth, because the truth is that religion or spirituality outside of Christ is just a waste of time and effort. Listen to what it says in uh, Philippians. It says, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the what? The Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me, and it's safe for you. This right here, I'm going to stop right there. This is for all the people that think, I've heard this message before. Listen, what's Paul saying? It's no problem that I'm writing the things to you again that I've already entrusted to you. I'm writing the same thing, and it's also safe for you. I don't want to be unsafe. I love going fast. We have a race team. I've gone 170 miles an hour racing 100 other people. Guess what? I have my safety harness, and I have a Hans device. That's a head and neck support. And literally, if I crashed the car, it wouldn't let my neck fly and break my neck. I want to be a Christian that's living on the edge, safe in Christ Jesus. I don't want to be a believer that gives people false hope, that tries to be this moral improvement that is dangerous. Do you see this? So let's go to the next verse. It says, Look out for the what? The dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by what? The Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no what? Confidence in the flesh. God doesn't want your spiritual resume and look at what everything you've done in the natural and be like, yeah, you're going to be really great for the kingdom. You're a great addition. He wants you to have no confidence in who you were outside of him. And he wants you to find boldness in him. Do you see the difference? Though I myself, now this is Paul, he was a Pharisee. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Now listen to what he's saying. The Pharisees were a group of guys. There's about 6,000 of them. 
in the area. We learned that from uh, the historical writings of Josephus. He was a Jewish historian. He was not a believer. He wrote down, there's about 6,000 of these guys who are Pharisees. And to be a Pharisee, you want to live a life of restraint, they had the most restraint. They were people that literally on the Sabbath day, they couldn't look at a mirror. Now in that day and age, they didn't have mirrors like glass how we do. They would look at uh, smooth steel. And if they saw the reflection, they'd be tempted to pull out the gray hair. So they couldn't do that. They couldn't do any work. But listen, religious people usually find a way to do what they want and self-justify. So what a Pharisee could do, he couldn't eat a chicken, a chicken egg, if it wasn't laid on the Sabbath. But if it was laid on the Sabbath, he could eat that egg if he was going to kill the chicken. But I thought they're not supposed to do any work on the Sabbath day. Do you see the self-justification? All right. So Paul says, if we're talking about confidence in the flesh, I have more than all of you. Verse 5, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. The tribe of Benjamin was a great tribe. The other tribes, there's 12 tribes that made up the children of Israel. And literally, the other tribes would say, we fight for Benjamin. So to be born like in the tribe of Benjamin, you were like, wow, superstar automatically. To be circumcised on the eighth day. He did everything right. His parents did everything, not him. He's like, oh, I'm eight years old or eight days old. But literally what it says, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as a loss for the sake of Christ. Verse 8, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count him or count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and to be found in him, not having a righteousness of what? My own. He's like, I was better than all you people. But it was rubbish because righteousness on my own never got me to Jesus. It never got me to Christ. What does it say? The righteousness from God that depends on what? Faith. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. That's from a Pharisee, former Pharisee. I was better than all of you, but it did me no good. The righteousness that I thought I had in the law, nothing, no good. Those of you who think you're good people, I'm a good person. What do we do? These are just good people. What have we done? We've taken the goodness of God and brought it down to human standards and we've elevated us as who are dead outside of Christ as though we are alive or have arrived. John 3, 1-10. I want you guys to go there. Actually, no, I want you to go to Matthew 23. I want you to hear what Jesus said about the Pharisees. I want to hear from our God's words, right? 
It said, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. Now what that means is that they've elevated themselves, that they understand the intent of Moses' teachings, or the law. That they've decided that they can understand what God meant, and God gave the Ten Commandments, and then there ended up being, I think, 631 commandments. So they added 621 more commandments to help God explain it better. God doesn't need your help explaining what he's saying. Okay? This is how people twist the scripture and they twist things and they get off. They get off the path. Listen to what Jesus said. So do, so do and observe whatever they tell you but not the works they do. For they preach, but they do not practice. They tie heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their uh, philagrates broad and their fringes long, and they love the place of honor at feasts, and they, what? And the best seats in the synagogue. And greetings in the marketplace. And being called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi. Your rabbi means teacher. You have no one teacher. And you are all brothers. Now what they wanted to be called was rabbi. And the other thing they wanted to be called father. And as if that they themselves had this revelation from God. And then God the word comes and he says, You are not to call them fathers. God is Father. You do not give them honor as if they have this special revelation from God. I am the revelation of God. I am revealing to you the truth. Jesus hit these people hard. And what does it say? For, uh, and call no man father on earth, for you have one Father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoa, stop there. In their culture, the greatest was to be served, yet God himself comes and he shares this thing called servant leadership. You know one thing I love about Pastor Mike and Pastor Donna? You will see them working at the church. Why? Because they're serving the church. They're not like, oh, we're the pastors. We don't do that. Now, some of, some of the people honor them and say, here, let me get that for you. But their heart is to serve. It is servant leadership. It is do what I do, not what I say and not do. Do you see this? The greatest among you shall be called your what? Servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you travel across the sea and land to make a single proselyte. And when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. Whoa. You think Jesus was stuttering? He had a problem with self-righteousness. Because he himself was the only righteous. That's why the Bible says, it's not like, oh, look at our righteousness. It says, we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That being said, 
after Jesus declares all these things, this guy who's a Pharisee named Nicodemus, who's the champion of the people, triumph over the people, comes to Jesus in the middle of the night. This Pharisee. Now, he wasn't just a Pharisee. He was part of the Sanhedrin. Now, out of 6,000 people who were these religious leaders, there was about 70 people who were on the Sanhedrin. And he was on them. And the fact that Jesus said, you're the teacher of Israel, means that he is high up on the Sanhedrin. But what is this? The worry of the sinner. You know what he realized? Everything I've done to be in the presence of God, to be in the kingdom of God, I have fear and torment. Because he knew. See, the hypocrites have more fear than an atheist or an agnostic. Because the hypocrite decides to be the standard and they themselves realize they can't live up to the standard. That's if we, as the body of Christ, Jesus doesn't want us to be hypocrites. He doesn't want us to be counted in with the hypocrites. Why? Because our righteousness is from Christ and Christ alone. Let's go back to John. You guys ready? I'm going to start my message now. John chapter 3, it says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. That right there is where we know he was on the Sanhedrin. We know that he was a ruler. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, now a lot of people want to read deep into Scripture and say the reason he came at night is because he was a sinner. It doesn't say that, so we can't say that. It's just foolish to, don't get special revelation that's not revealed in Scripture. You know what we know for a fact? He came at night. Why? We have no clue. So don't make a mountain out of a molehill. It just is truly stated he came at night. Maybe he came after dinner. Maybe his kid was sick. Maybe he was sneaking out of the house. His wife's like, here, where's Nicodemus? Where are you? He's, like, He's gone. He's going to talk to you. We don't know. We have no clue. Okay? You guys get this? And this is what the Pharisee that Jesus is scolding. Now we see Jesus call him hypocrite, all this stuff. The people you disciple are twice as bound in sin as you are. They're twice. I mean, it's just terrible, right? Listen to what the Pharisee says. Now these are the people, this is the group that wanted to kill Jesus. Listen to what he says here. Rabbi, he refers to him as teacher. We know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And then it says Jesus answered him. I didn't really hear Nicodemus ask a question. I came to tell you that you're from God. Now the, that means the other Pharisees. He said, we know. The Pharisees that were trying to kill Jesus knew he was from God. This is what self-righteousness does. You present yourself as being aligned with God, but you in fact are an enemy of God. He knew that Jesus was from God. Why? He said, no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Nobody had seen a miracle in over 400 years. Nobody had seen one in person, and all of a sudden this guy, Jesus, comes, and miracle, miracle, raising from the dead, the blind see, the leopards, their body parts are going back. So he's like, listen, we know you're from God. Unless we know, what does he say? No one can do these signs unless God is with him. 
Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, what was Jesus answering? Jesus was answering the true reason why Nicodemus was there. The sorrow of the sinner, or the hopelessness of the sinner, is that he recognizes that Jesus is from God, but Jesus didn't trust him. Just like what we read in John chapter 2, Jesus didn't trust the people. Now they're saying, oh, you're from God, you're from God, you're from God. But Jesus didn't see that as saving faith. The Bible says he didn't entrust them with himself. It means he knew that they were just, you're a man. You're from God. You're a man. You're not God. That's the same thing that Nicodemus said. We know you're a man from God. And Jesus answered the question. He said, you've got to be born again. Let's keep going. You guys got it? How can I be born, or how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered again, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Jesus came as the light to reveal truth to hopelessness. The kingdom of heaven is not for people who are religious and are spiritual. The kingdom of heaven is for people that humble themselves and say, I am hopeless and there's nothing I can do. And Jesus says, I got you. And he does the work, then you're born again. That's why what happens, two things happen with religious people. They get prideful to where they're better. Like, oh, I don't do that, I don't do this, I don't do this. Or they become condemned and they lose all hope. But Jesus came. So the sorrow of the sinner is that there's hopelessness outside of God. Think about this. Everything that he'd done his entire life, he had torment. See, a lot of times the deception is climbing up the ladder. You have hope that what you're working for will bring happiness when you get to the top. And this is a perfect example that Nicodemus made it to the top. And he was more condemned, more sorrowful than he was when he started. And that's what happens to people. So self-righteousness only brings condemnation or pride. And what does the Bible say? He resists. God literally will push the prideful person away. What did Jesus do with the Pharisees? He ran them out of the temple. He got whips, whipped them. Right? Why? And now I want you to see the Savior's way. The Savior's way is only by Jesus Christ. It is not by you being a good person. It's not by you being a bad person. It's you accepting that Jesus Christ alone is only the way that you can be saved. And faith in Him alone. And then the Spirit regenerates you when you have that faith. Jesus knew Nicodemus didn't have that faith. Now, if you read the scripture, a lot of people, how many people do you talk to? You believe in God? Yeah, I believe in God. Nicodemus believed in God. He believed in the prophets. He believed in the law. But Jesus said that wasn't saving faith. Acknowledging God is not having faith in God. God didn't come for acknowledgement. It's like you see somebody at school. What's up? Nobody's going to be like, Sub Jesus and be in heaven. Those who are in heaven are those who have humbled themselves and said, There's nothing I can do to get here. 
the thief on the cross. He said, I'm a thief, I'm a murderer. I deserve death. I deserve to be here. But Jesus, when you enter your kingdom, can you remember me? What did Jesus do? He looked at him wise on the cross. He said, assuredly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Why? Because the man who knew he was guilty and undeserving was humbled and said, I deserve this. When you realize that you deserve hell, that's when you can see the light of salvation. And Jesus said, assuredly I say to you today, you will be with me in my paradise. That is the gospel. And I am completely out of time. So what we're going to do, we're going to follow up with this next week. And I encourage you guys, read John chapter 3. Study the scriptures. Study to show yourself approved. We don't read the Bible so God says, gold star. We read the Bible to find out what the truth is. And we shall know the truth, and the truth shall set us free. The goal for the message today was that you guys realize that this conversation that Jesus had, and this is just the highlights of the conversation. I guarantee you when Jesus said stuff like that, it wasn't not like, oh, okay, and just walked away. But this is what we need to see. This is what Jesus said. Unless you're born again, there's nothing you could do. You think you're a good person. You might be 10 times better than me, but guess what? I didn't earn this salvation I have. I didn't do anything except humble myself and say, Jesus Christ, I am guilty above all measure. I'm guilty on all charges. And you know what he said? I got you. The door's open for you. Those of us that want to sit there and be like, well, I'm a good person. You, you be a good person. You be a good person better than anybody else in this church. And if that's what you're riding on, guess what? You know you're a hypocrite. You know why? Because we're all human. We all have crazy thoughts. How many of you guys had some crazy thoughts when you're worshiping God? You're like, I trust in God. Devil's like, whoa, you're like, whoa, oh my God. Like, <laughs> but you come back. We need a savior. We've not arrived. And guess what happens to us pastors too? <laughs> I could, you could probably tell when I'm sitting there worshiping God, I was like, whoa, you know, I sit there, it's not like I saw a vision, it's like, get, get behind me, Satan. We are lamps to light people to the light of God. Did you guys get anything I to say? If you guys could bow your heads and close your eyes. At this time, I'm going to give everybody the opportunity, and I really feel strong about this, and I'm not into emotional salvations. I'm into people realizing that there is no hope in them and their effort. I want everybody to bow your heads and close your eyes. And those of you in here, that you might be the spiritual, the religious, the Pharisee, that Jesus came and told and said, don't do that. You might be a spiritual Pharisee, religious, or you've deceived yourself and like, oh, I'm a good person. This altar call today is for you. Have you ever humbled yourself and said, Jesus Christ, 
I'm guilty. There's no hope for me but by you. And you want to have a point in contact that today, January 28th, you decided to humble yourself and make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. I'm going to make that call. I want you to raise your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Is anybody else? Nobody else is looking. It's just me. I'm not going to call you down. I'm not going to embarrass you. feel like you'll think, oh, what does the pastor think? I'm in the same boat as everybody else. Until I humbled myself, I was a guilty sinner. And I have no judgment those who are outside of Christ. For the only reason I'm in Christ is by Christ and Him alone. I'm going to look around one more time if there's anybody else. All right. Let's say this together. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. So what we're going to do, we're going to say, and you're going to repeat after me, say, I believe in my heart, I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is God. Everybody look at me. The Bible says, that you who've done that are born again. teaching. We hope you enjoyed it. To stay connected with our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv or like us on Facebook. Music